You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Morning, Lord Jesus. God, uh, calm our hearts and our minds and God, anything that in life that may be going on right now and racing through our heads, God, just push that off to the side. Um, God, let's just hear from you. Um, God, it, uh, your word tells us that when two or more of us are gathered, that your spirit is there. So we're trusting your spirit is here today um, and is ready to speak. Um, so fa- Father, prepare our hearts to listen. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been in the middle of this series we're calling Iconic as we look at, at the life of Jesus and um, look at uh, the different aspects uh, of his teaching, look at the different interactions that he had with people, um, and we're kind of just trying to glean and learn from this iconic life that Jesus set before us, this, uh, and what we can learn from it, um, this iconic life of how he performed miracles and, ha- and how he taught his uh, disciples to have faith, and this iconic life where we can see the miraculous happen because of who he is, and this iconic life of what he taught and how drastic uh, of an impact it can have on our lives. Um, so as we started this series, and, and just so you know, and kind of how Hill City teaching world, um, we plan our series months out. We know what we're teaching um, before we get there. We know the verses and those types of things. This one, on the other hand, was a little bit different because we just knew we wanted to talk about Jesus all summer, but we didn't really know exactly what we wanted to talk about Jesus. So we've been flying a little bit from the seat of our pants uh, as Noah and I get together and go, hey, what do we need to teach on or what do we need to talk on? And all of a sudden, this little mini series kind of formed inside of the bigger iconic series. And we've been talking a lot about faith. Um, we talked about the faith of a child and what does that look like and what do we look like to tr- actually trust God. We, we went even further into that idea of trusting God last week. Um, and this week would be kind of part three of trusting God. And what does that look like? And if you haven't been here, you know, those weeks, catch up with us. You can go to our website, hillcity.church and find the, the podcast there. or Any of the podcast apps, you can find Hill City Teaching on there and, and catch up with us. Um, just so you know, our, our messages go live a week late. Um, as, as I start reading these verses, they're going to hand out some mustard seeds because, well, we're talking about faith today and we're talking about the faith of a mustard seed. Um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. I'm not sure if we're going to have verses ready to go. We have verses ready to go. Look at that. we got a thumbs up from Mike. Um, Mark, Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. Um, towards the end of this, we're going to switch to, ver- to Matthew 17 um, and continue in the story. Um, this, this particular story is actually found in, in all three synaptic gospels. Um, we see it in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, all come at it from a little bit different perspective, and we're going to try to bring that perspective together so we get a holistic view of what happened in this account. Um, but we're looking at Jesus healing uh, a little boy that was demon-possessed. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. I'm going to read this all through, and then we're going to go and unpack it. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in, uh, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by the spirit that robbed him from, of speech. Whenever, he, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. 
Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring this boy to me. So they brought him and the spirit of Jesus, then the spirit saw Jesus. It immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, he has often thrown himself into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus asked, everything is possible to the, for those who believe. And me, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene. He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked uh, so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet. And he stood up. Flipping to Matthew to pick up right where this story leaves, left, leaves off. In verse 19 of Matthew 17, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing is impossible with God. And hopefully you have a mustard seed in your hand and I can't show you because they're so tiny, but you can look at how small these things, these things are. And um, as a mustard seed grows, as does our faith as the example that, that Jesus is trying to make here is uh, it becomes a, a massive tree, sometimes 15, 20, 30 feet tall. One of the largest of the garden plants coming from such a small microscopic can barely hold on to it. The chances by the end of the sermon, you still have it in your hand, slim to none, because you're going to drop it at some point because it's so tiny. But this is that, that mustard-like, that, that, that childlike faith. And um, as small as it may be and what it can turn into is what we want to talk about today. See, the question that the disciples posed to Jesus right there in verse 19 again is, why couldn't we drive it out? And this is really the whole point of today's message. God, why couldn't we? God, here's this need in my life. Here's this thing I need to overcome. Here's this, this, this obstacle. I, I can't figure out how to jump over. God, I, I need you to provide. I'm desperate. God, but you're not providing when I ask. Why can't I do this? If, it, if I'm supposed to have as small as faith of a mustard seed, why can't I see this thing come to fruition? Why can't I tell the mountain to move and it move? And it might not be there at first glance, but as we unpack this, we're going to see it a, a little bit closer. But essentially, Jesus responds with this, because you can't. Because you can't. See, I can't, I don't have the power to drive out the demon. I don't have the power to bring the miracle into existence. I don't have the power to bring someone back from the dead. I don't have the power to bring Hill City to its fruition and let it thrive. I don't have the power to do those things. But I can have the faith in the one that does. And that's what today's message is about. Because I can have the faith in the one who can and who does. If you're taking notes, I want to give you the main point and then we're going to unpack it. This is the formula if you have that, that screen. 
Um, but it's mustard sides faith plus a very big God equals mountain sized results. Mustard sized faith and a big God see mountain sized results. See, it's, it's not a matter of can I do it? It's a matter of do I believe he can? Right? It's right here in, in, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 22 going back. This is, the father, this is the father talking. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And this is Jesus' response. If you can? What do you mean if, if I can? I'm Jesus. Of course I can. But this is the point he's trying to make to the father. Of course I can do it. It's not an issue if I can. It's an issue of whether or not you have faith that I can. Are you going to trust me enough? Believe in me enough to watch me act? And I think oftentimes in our own faith, this is where we find ourselves like this man. We're desperate and need Jesus to intervene. But we struggle with really believing and trusting that he can. We, tr we really struggle with, with really trusting that he, that he cares about us and that he's intervening in our lives and that he wants to see fruit of our lives more than we ever want to see fruit from our lives. That he wants to see greater impact from our lives than we even want to see from our lives. Because that's who he is. So when we get a mountain that's, that's put in front of us and it feels too big to climb over, you don't know how it's going to play out, we can trust that God is in control. That I can trust him. That he is capable. That it isn't a statement of if you can. It's a statement of God, you can, will you? It's believing in the power that exists inside of Christ because the reality is our faith doesn't move the mountains. It's our faith and trust in God and God moves those mountains, right? It's our small faith compared to our big God leads to mountain-sized results. We all have mountains in front of us. Right? We're looking at life and we're thinking, we're seeing things that feel like we can't overcome them. They feel too big, too impossible. And the only way they're going to happen is if God intervenes. And we talked about God intervening last week and go back and take a listen to it. But on this topic of trusting God, kind of bringing back last week's point of trusting God never gets easier. Because what we trust God for only gets bigger. Trusting God never gets easier because what we're trusting God for only gets bigger. Here's this man trusting Jesus to perform a miracle to save his son. And when he watches Jesus perform the miracle, his trust is increased. And he looks at God and says, God, look, look who you are. But the next trial is going to be bigger. And this man's now on this journey to see God do bigger and bigger things. A journey that most of us never get on because we just don't have enough faith. The faith of a mustard seed to believe he can and that he would. So what does mustard seed faith actually look like? 
right? This is what, this is all we need to have to see mountains moved by God. What does mustard seed faith look like? Well, it's right here in verse 24, right? We, we can assume he had enough faith for Jesus to heal because Jesus healed. And here's verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed after being, you know, after Jesus asking him, like, why, why do you not believe I can? He responds with, I do believe. Help me over un- overcome my unbelief. That's mustard-like faith. That we look at God and we see what God does, we can believe that God can. And then the enemy is going to swoop in and he's going to be like, but is he going to do it for you? Does he care enough about you to do it for you? Like, Sure, he can, but does he work in this way? Maybe this is too big for God for you. Like, you're, you're just not the person that he wants to perform this miracle with. You're, you're just not big enough or important enough. Right? All those little ways that the enemy sneaks in and lies to us. This is asking God, help me with my unbelief. Right? You, oftentimes, if you've ever find your, found yourself in, a, in this position, it, it feels like you're like two different people, depending on the moment of the day. Where there's days you're like, I believe my God is the God that spoke this universe into existence with just his voice. And there's other parts of the day where are like, God, where the heck are you? I don't even think you care. And we swing back and forth, back and forth. But it's in those moments that the childlike faith, it's just like, no, my God is that God. My, my God can. Enemy, get behind me like, screw you, I'm out. I'm not listening today because this is who my God says he is. And this is who my God says what he can do. My God's bigger than this. My God can bring comfort in the most uncomfortable places. My God can bring peace. Even when I don't think peace is an option, my my God can bring light into the darkest places of my life because that's who my God is. But it's in the midst of that belief that we still struggle. This is what he's talking about, that mustard-like faith. You got to keep coming back to who he is. We have to keep being reminded who he is. And when the enemy starts to take ground, we have to ask Jesus to fight our battles and get in the midst of those lies so I can remember who he is. This is all it takes. Because it's not my faith that brings the miracle into existence. It's my God's power. It's my God's strength. That's what brings the miracle to existence. My job in the equation is just to have enough faith that he can and have enough faith that he would. This small little mustard seed can become the largest of garden plants. But once we have this small little mustard seed of faith, what comes next? After we overcome those those doubts, after Jesus works in our heart and and fights those lies for us, what comes next? So we don't need to increase our faith to have bigger faith. It's much simpler than that. More childlike trust in God is what I really need. More trust in who he is and, and what he's about and what he can accomplish is what I need. More trust in my, in my desperation of letting him work in me and through me is what I need. 
It's not a matter of how big a dream I can dream. It's a matter of how much I can trust my God to bring those dreams to fruition. It's trust. And trust starts small for all of us. It starts with little acts of obedience. When he's like, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to talk about this. I want you to confess this. And what do we do with that? Well, if, 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 if we confess those things, if we trust them in those things, our trust starts to increase. And then bigger things come along. And then life hits you. And you look at it and say, God, I don't know how you're going to get this one out. Like, I don't know how you're going to intervene in this place. I don't know how you're going to bring healing to such a great loss. But I'm going to trust you that you will. Because that's what you've promised. And the trust increases. And the more and more and more the trust increases, the more and more and more I get to see what God can do. Right? Trust is, is God's love language. We talked about that last week. That's how God wants you to love him. Trust him more. Right? Maybe yours is words of affirmation or gifts or quality time. God doesn't want any of those things. He wants trust. Those things come with it. But he wants trust. He wants us to trust him more. That it's not like, God, what do I want to do with my life? It's, God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How would you want me to approach this relationship or this conversation? God, what's the junk inside of me that you want to deal with to get out of me? I'm going to trust you through that journey. Greater trust. Trusting God never gets easier because what we're trusting God for only gets larger. But this is what we need to know about that trusting God. In terms of how God works, look back at verse 20 and verse of Mark 9. Um, this is right after Jesus just showed up on the scene. They brought the boy to him. Uh, verse 20, so they brought him. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. I don't know about you, but if you're in that situation and this is your boy, it's a pretty chaotic moment. Right? To, to watch your, your son suffer in that way, that's going to be a pretty chaotic moment. And I would be expecting in that moment that Jesus would make it stop. But this is what Jesus did in verse 21. He asked this boy's dad a question. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say, evil spirit, get out. He's like, how long has this been going on? And this is an important principle for us to learn. Not just a principle that we, we, let's be honest, loosely grab from this story, but it's a principle we live out over and over again. God's timing's not our timing. God does not work on our timelines. God does not see this life as we see this life. God's thoughts are greater than your thoughts and his ways greater than your ways. You wouldn't be able to explain the way in which God intervenes. We looked at the story of, of Lazarus last week and or maybe we didn't. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus this coming week when we're off. It's going to be on our website, but I already filmed it, so I thought I already taught it. Um, but we'll be talking about Lazarus next Sunday online at hillcity.church. Um, but in the Lazarus story, if you know it, Jesus brings Lazarus back to the dead, not immediately, four days later. Lazarus sat in the tomb. We would look at it and say, that's pretty darn permanent. Lazarus being in the tomb. 
Like I remember coming back from, from my dad passed away in Houston, coming back here and thinking it's not four days yet. I'm going to pray that, that he wakes up and terrifies the, the, whatever you call those people, the undertakers. It didn't happen, but I can trust God had a bigger plan. But God's timing is not our timing. How he interacts with our world is not the way that we would interact with our world. But what we can trust is his plan is perfect. Even in the midst of hardest of pain. Even in the midst of the deepest moments of grief. and the deepest moments of desperation. God's plan is still perfect. And that's that childlike faith. That's that mustard-sized faith. I can believe that his plan is perfect. Because it's not working on our time. Second thing is this. Our time, our, our faith is an increase. Our trust of God is an increase just for our own benefit. That's not the Christian life. It's for the benefit of everyone that we interact with, right? The, the better follower of Jesus I become, the more impact I'm going to have on the people around me. The greater trust that I carry in my God, the greater impact I'm going to have on the people around me. Jesus really liked this, this parable of, of the, the mustard seed. Um, he, he talked about this earlier with his disciples, and this is a Matthew 13. Um, and I'll read it to you in case we don't have the verses. Well, I'm going to read it to you anyways, but they might not be on the screen. He told them another parable. Uh, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field, through, though it is the smallest of all the seeds, when, uh, yet when it grows, it's the largest of all garden plants and becomes trees. So the birds come and perch in its branches. See, God starts dreams in our life oftentimes this small, just asking us for a little bit of trust. And as we give him that trust, that trust starts to increase and he asks for more trust. And we give him that trust, that trust starts to increase and he asks for even more trust, for bigger things. And eventually gets to this place where it has an impact on, on everyone around him, including the birds of the air. See, when we started, it was probably pretty darn selfish of what we wanted God to do, right? God, I need you to intervene in this area. Can you help me pay this, this bill? Can you, can you do this? Can you do that? And as I trust him for those things, and then those things increase and, and get bigger, and I start to not just trust for things for me, I start to trust things for my family. I start to trust things for my friends and for my church community and for the larger community at a whole. And I start trusting God for those things, and he starts to bring those things to fruition. It's going to have an impact. And I just look at it this way. Where would we be a year from today if all of us walked out of this room saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Whatever life throws at me, God, you've got my back. I'm going to trust you. And don't get me wrong, in the midst of trusting him and seeing the fruit, the fruit of that, like that's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Remember, God's timing is not our timing. It takes some time. There's going to be low moments where the enemy's winning and you have to ask God to fight your battles. There's going to be low moments where the enemy is winning and you have to ask him to help your unbelief. You keep getting back up. It's the beauty of Christianity. It's the beauty of our relationship with Jesus. Grace, we get to get back up even when we fail. As many times as we need. But as that trust increases, we, have to, we get to see more and more impact in our lives. And we keep pushing through the, the hard, difficult times. Just, we're going to have great impact. Your life is going to make a difference. And I believe that to true of everybody that you're not dreaming big enough dreams of what God could do in you and through you. I know I'm not. And I dream some pretty, pretty big dreams. 
And God could, be, could do greater things than those if I'm willing to walk with him in relationship and let him do the work on my heart so I can trust him for greater things. So let me leave you with this verse. This is Paul's words to the Galatian church. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me pray for you. Father God, we want to be a church community that's marked by great faith. And we know that great faith comes by trusting you, by believing you can and that you will, believing that you're in the midst of it. And God, even when the plan doesn't work out as we pictured in our heads, we do know that as the plan works itself out, it's working itself out as you designed it. And that's the best for me. That's best for my family. And it's the best for those around me. Even when I still have questions and I don't fully understand how it all makes sense, God, I can trust that your plan is perfect and one day it will all come to be. God, let, let us be people of great faith. God, build that in us, build that around us. God, give us big dreams, big, hairy, audacious dreams, God, things that only can be, be accomplished if you intervene. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you went to the cross for us so we can have this type of faith. We thank you that you went to the cross for us so we can have this relationship with you. We thank you that you went to the cross for us so we can talk to God and he talks back. We love you. Be with us in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.